Last week, our church started a new series on identity, on who we are. And today, we're going to start talking about the things that form us. Because let's face it, there's a lot of things out there wanting to tell us who we are and who we need to be. Their society, their social media, our friends, our parents, ourselves, telling us how we're not quite good enough, how we're not making enough money. There are so many things clamoring for our attention, trying to, to define us and to shape us. So it's so important for us as Christians to be aware of what is shaping us. Today we're going to talk about how Scripture forms us and shapes us. And to do this, we're going to be looking at Psalm 119, verses 97 through 105. And later we're going to pull in the passage from Genesis that Teresa read for us. And I apologize to Teresa and Janice um, before the 830 service because I know it's a special passage with a lot of words. I hope that all makes sense. So Psalm 119, verses 97 through 105. It says, Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all day long. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is always with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your decrees are my meditation. I understand more than the aged, for I keep your precepts. I hold back my feet from every evil way in order to keep your word. I do not turn away from your ordinances, for you have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste. Sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts, I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. My earliest memory of of scripture that's more than just a fleeting moment comes from my two Sunday school teachers from first grade through third grade. Miss Margaret Smith and Miss Trish Lewis. And these two women, they were grandmothers in the church and they had no blood relation to me or the boys in my class. They just wanted to be there with us and to teach us about the Bible. And I remember one of them bought each of us a Bible and a box of colored pencils. And those stuck with us all those years. And each of the colors had had something it correlated to. We'd start in Genesis 1 and we'd start reading through the stories and scripture And they'd stop us and say, okay, did you notice this? Let's get out our green pencil and underline that. 
Or what did you have a question about? Let's get out the yellow pencil and circle that. And we would just go through the Bible. And from those two women, I knew God's story. I knew the Bible stories that they had laid out before us. But more than that, they helped me love the Word of God. Because those women did not have to be there in that room, but they wanted to. Because they loved us, and they loved God, and they loved His Word. And so every Sunday, they were there with us. Sometimes they do Bible drills. But for the most part, they just wanted us to talk about God's Word. And I thank them for helping me learn to love God's word from a young age. But something happens as we get older. And sometimes we're a little afraid to admit it. That as we get older, the word of God can become a little intimidating. Because as we get older, we can start to pick up on things that we don't always notice. And we can start to have questions. We can start to feel uncomfortable. Like in the book of Genesis, the story of Noah and the ark, the story that we've known if we grew up in church since we were two or three years old. But suddenly we get older and we're looking beyond the ark, we're looking beyond the rainbow and the people on the ark to the people who who are lost in the flood, these sinful people. And it can cause us to pause. Or we get to the book of Exodus, a story that that so defines us as Christians of God, leading the Israelites to freedom out of Egypt. But we stop before the Red Sea. And we stop at the final plague. The final plague that God sent upon Egypt. The killing of the firstborn sons. we stop. One of my friends called me this week because her mother-in-law is doing one of those books where you read the Bible in a year. And her mother-in-law was so upset because she was in the Old Testament and she said, right now I'm seeing a God of anger and wrath and that is not the God I know. My God is a God of grace and mercy and love. I don't know what to do with this God. Do any of us ever have that question when we approach these stories? When we have these questions and we don't know what to do with them, and sometimes we can feel like a bad Christian for having questions. Well, let's move on to the New Testament. Because we as Christians, we love the New Testament. 
and we love and we have to rem remind ourselves of who we are in Jesus Christ. We love getting to the part of where God reveals himself in Jesus. That is the God we know so fully, a God of grace and mercy. We love who we are in Jesus. That in Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. In Jesus Christ, our sins are removed from us. Never for us to carry again. That in Jesus Christ, as Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians, we are a new creation. We are, we are the sons and daughters of God. And more than that, we are heirs to God's kingdom. We are, we are the people who get to claim everlasting life. That is who we are in Jesus Christ. And that is powerful. And that gives us life and hope. And yet, how often do we sit with Jesus' teachings and get uncomfortable? Because Jesus really liked to make people uncomfortable. Why my seminary professors used to joke that Jesus would wake up on the Sabbath day and say, let's go make the religious leaders unhappy. Jesus can still get under people's skin when we allow him to. We live in Madison County. What about the story of the young ruler coming to Jesus and Jesus says to him, before you can follow me, first you have to sell all of your belongings, give the money to the poor, and then you can be my disciple. Or what about in Matthew 5 where Jesus says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, pray for those who actively work against you. We don't know what to do with that. And, and when Jesus talks about forgiveness and compassion, or what about just when Jesus says at the Last Supper, just to his disciples, just to those of us in the body of Christ, love one another as I have loved you. It's easy to say, but it can be hard to live out. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. That's what the psalmist wrote today. That is scripture that lights the way forward for us, that lights each step that we are to take. Scripture that tells us how we are to speak and to live and to act. The scripture when we're reading it, not just because we feel like we're supposed to, we're not just reading it to affirm our opinions or to just absorb information, but when we, we approach Scripture to show us the next step forward. Sometimes Scripture makes us stop and we can't 
move to the next verse. Because scripture doesn't just show us the next step forward. And sometimes the path that scripture is lighting for us is just the next step. Sometimes it's, sometimes it's 10. Sometimes the path that scripture calls us to take is not on the path that we expected to take. And sometimes the path that scripture calls us to take is going to be in a deep valley where we feel alone and surrounded. But scripture doesn't just like the next step. Scripture also gives us the walk to endure it. Remember the passage that Teresa read for us of Genesis 32, with Jacob wrestling with God. One thing my dad has always taught me when I approach scripture, when I approach preaching, I have to wrestle with scripture. Because scripture isn't there just to give us information. Scripture is there to shape the way we walk. Jacob wrestled with God until he walked away with a limp. He wrestled with God until he received a blessing that stayed with him. Scripture lights the next step for us. It also gives us the limp to endure the path that we are called to take. And not all of us are called to take the same path. So what do we do when we come to Scripture and we find ourselves stopped? Because we're a little uncomfortable or we don't know what to make of it. Here are some things I'd like to lift up. The first is that before we approach scripture, we pray. We pray for God to reveal himself to us in his word, even if it's uncomfortable. And then when we do become uncomfortable with a passage, we have to honestly ask ourselves, what is it about this passage that is making me uncomfortable? But also, when we're just reading a passage and none of that applies, what are the questions that we have? What are the things that we are noticing to really spend time reflecting on it? And then when we do have questions, we look at the broader passage, the chapter, the book. We, we read things through the lens of God's story, through the lens of Jesus Christ. And then we talk to people. That's one of my favorite things is when I talk with some of my seminary friends especially and we'll be um, messaging each other about the passages that we're preaching on and the things that we're noticing sometimes for the first time, even, even if it's a familiar passage or the things that we find God affirming to us. But also, when we're talking about Scripture, never underestimate a child's voice. Two weeks ago in Intersection, we did what we call a potluck and worship. And so at each table, they discuss questions related to the passage. And I asked a couple of people to share what they talked about. And the final question was this, on the passage of being salt and light. I said, what is it about who God is that makes us want to be salt and light to this world? What is it about who God is 
for us. That makes us want to live for him. And this little boy, who's probably three or four years old, he raised his hand. And his answer was, because God loves me. No greater truth could be said. We should never underestimate talking with, any, with everyone, especially children, because sometimes it's their, their words and how they see God that calls us back to a truth that, that answers everything. God loves us. But also, we pray, we ask questions, we look at the greater story, we talk to one another, but we also have to be comfortable with wrestling with Scripture and knowing that God can handle it. God can handle questions, God can handle anger, God can handle anything that we have. God just wants us to bring our hearts, to seek his face, to allow him to make us into who he wants us to be. And we wrestle with scripture until God blesses us. Because in reading scripture, it's part of our relationship with God, that God is present when we are reading scripture, and that we can demand the blessing. We wrestle with scripture and we come to scripture so that it's not just noise that we speak about what it means to be faithful or compassionate or forgiving, but so that the heart that is behind those words feels it and the light that is lived out shows that it's not just words that we're saying, but a life that has been changed by who God is and his word that he has given to us. Thy word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. May we allow the word of God to show us our next steps. May we be willing to sit with it at times and wrestle with it. Demanding a blessing that will give us a limp for the path forward. Let us pray. God, in your goodness, you have called us your own. And Lord, that is something that we don't always understand why. But you call us your own, you call us worthy and beloved. And you have given us your word to shape us into who you have called us to be. Not ourselves, not anyone else. Lord, give us your strength and your peace and your courage to sit with your word and to allow it to show us the way that we are called to live, to act, to speak. May your word change our hearts. And may it give us 
Give us the endurance to walk the path. And may your word ultimately remind us of who you are and your presence with us. It's in your son's precious name that we pray. Amen.